Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our socials and Discord. Happy listening. What is your favorite thing about, like, the seasons changing? Do you mean, like, winter into spring? Yes, or just, like, that, well, any, that is, any season that changing into any most, other season? That, I feel like, is the most impactful yes so my favorite thing is so we have a walk route that we go on Mm -hmm. and my favorite thing is when we get about three quarters through our walk there's about five days in spring where there's a magnolia tree Mm -hmm. and it's all it's all pretty and pink and bloomy yeah but then it is immediately followed my least favorite thing because like three days later they're all like all the flowers are on the ground and they're just brown mush yeah but it's downhill so you slip right so it's kind of like a double-edged sword where it's my favorite and least favorite part about the spring season. Yeah. So recently we also had our time change where we sprung forward, we lost an hour. And so it's still kind of been an adjustment as we figure out like our internal clocks are adjusting, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, and so I naturally wake myself up at the same times every single night to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been waking up at 7 which used to be six a week ago, right? Yeah. And um, and now when I'm getting up to go to the washroom, I have birds singing in the mornings. <laughs> and I don't know why. It's just something that I noticed this morning that I was like, you know, this makes me happy to be awake. And I am not a morning person, so I hate waking up. <laughs> and it's a long process for me. But the birds somehow make it better the robins are back and so they're just up bright and early chirping away and i find it very inviting and like okay maybe being awake isn't so bad i feel like birds it just makes it feel more alive because in the winter there is no sounds apart from like machinery clearing the the roads and stuff especially being in canada (laughs) there's just snow plows and like the sidewalk cleaners it's just so like fake yeah but come springtime you have birds chirping you have like the bug noises there's so many just like live things i could do without the bug noises i'm glad they're not quite here yet (laughs) like i don't really appreciate the cicadas screaming oh my god right outside of our window the one animal that actually has been present during the winter Uh so out on our back deck we have these large like evergreen pine trees and there's been a squirrel living in one of them for the past six months or so and it will scream at us like a squirrel (laughs) scream if it like if you go out near the trees or whatever it will scream at you and i swear it throws pine cones at us on purpose and it throws them from like 20 30 feet up in the air so when they come down, they're coming. it's like they're coming down. They smack against the, the deck. They smack against our roof. And it's like this squirrel wants to kill us with pine cones. One of these days we're going to be sitting out on the patio just enjoying a nice cold beverage. And out of nowhere, a pine cone is going to come and hit us. And we're going to be knocked out. We're, yeah. just, we're unconscious from a squirrel. You know, I appreciate the bird noises to the squirrel screams. <laughs> <laughs> we like talking about movies and TV, or TV and movies.
bees, cause we're the bees knees, oh yeah. With us watching The Punisher, we've had a lot of internet drama about the whole migration from Netflix to Disney. Mm -hmm. Because Disney is this fun family organization. Yeah, there's like a huge stigma I feel like Disney carries about what's appropriate and what's not. And it being like a family-friendly streaming service, which isn't the case. And I don't think that they should be limited to just family programming yeah and it's funny because there's so many people who are just like up in arms about these kind of brutal netflix shows Mm -hmm. being put onto disney now which i mean it didn't come out of the blue it was talked about for a long time and then there was like a month process of the conversion over yeah but then people just lost their minds. There's so many parents who are just like, my kids just watched Daredevil, and they just watched a guy get beaten to an inch of his life. Yeah. But there has to come a point where you, you take responsibility for what your kids are watching. Yeah, right? like I had seen something, and I don't know, I think it was like on Facebook or something probably. <laughs> and I don't know if it was like actually Ryan Reynolds tweeting in response or if it was like a fan account but ryan reynolds was attached to it somehow don't know if it was actually him but anyway the tweet itself was funny and it was along the lines of like we should be making remotes harder to use (laughs) in backlash of the parents being like this is unacceptable to be on disney and it's like okay but who is responsible for what your children watch is it is it Disney or is it you? Like, are you just handing them the remote and being like, here, go nuts, have Disney as your babysitter? And then or when are they you watch, actually watching yeah. them? Yeah, then when they watch something that's bad, mm-hmm. like you say, oh, Disney did this. No, you dumbass, you did. <laughs> you said watch what you want. Like, I recognize when we watch cartoons with the kids on Disney mm-hmm. and we go into Star and we put on a couple of, of like pre-screened Bob's Burgers episodes. Yeah. And it's like, this is adult cartoons. Yes. So not everything in this section is for my my six and eight-year-old children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not just going to say, yeah, watch Go whatever nuts. you want on this, this <laughs> internet-based TV thing. Yeah. Like, people are dumb. Like, in a way... I feel like Disney has caused some of the stigma themselves. Like you remember the whole Lizzie McGuire thing and there was going to be a reboot and then they decided that the way that like Lizzie or uh, Hillary Duff wanted to go with Lizzie McGuire was a more mature like where would she be now as a 30 something year old? Yeah. Not playing it as still very family friendly. Here's Lizzie. What's she up to? But like actually real life problems, which would include sex she's an adult woman and they're like no we can't do this and so it unfortunately didn't come to be and so it's like hey disney is causing some of this themselves in saying that well some things have to be family friendly and some things we can stream whatever we want right yeah and i think back to that and think how stupid they were in doing that because it's like you know that the people that would be watching the Lizzie McGuire reboot would be like me, right? The people who would be grown people. Well, it just reminds me they did the same idea with iCarly. Mm-hmm. They had iCarly like 
10 years later. Yeah. And it was more adult and more mature. Like she was going on like Tinder dates or something. I don't know. I never yeah, actually we never watched, watched it. it. But from clips I've seen online, it was a more mature program. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it. I'm sure it wasn't the biggest thing. But I mean, you're also working off iCarly instead of freaking Lizzie McGuire. That yeah. was a way bigger like title Mm-hmm. For the the target audience yeah. who want to watch that type of program, yeah. And now Hillary Duff's doing How I Met Your Father, which I haven't personally seen, but I have no desire to. <laughs> I would have watched the shit out of Lizzie McGuire. I loved Lizzie McGuire when I was a kid. You know what? Just out of spite, we're gonna watch How I Met Your Father. <laughs> out of spite, I don't know if it's any good. I haven't really seen anything either way. Well, we're. Uh, let's try it and so disney is also in hot water for turning red now like disney pixar because apparently people have forgotten what it's like to be 13 (laughs) i don't know we watched um turning red this past weekend for our family movie night and again this being with a six-year-old and an eight-year-old both girls watching it and not once did i have or any sort of feeling as a parent like they aren't going to this isn't appropriate for them or this is going to lead to a conversation with them that i wasn't prepared for yet right like yeah not not at any point did you ever feel that way as a parent watching that no. movie no no i thought and, it was a fun goofy like relatable thing i mean yeah it, and that what i was seeing was like man this is a movie based kind of around us yes exactly because <laughs> it takes place in like 2002 i think Mm-hmm. And it's in Toronto, which we're Canadian. So I was, there was alive then, and I'm from near there. Exactly. So there was a lot of things that we saw, even just as like in the background, that we recognize. Yeah. Right. Like Canadian flags in places, and the CN Tower, and the Sky Dome where they have their concert for their boy band. Like there was a lot of just little things that. As a Canadian who was obsessed with boy bands in 2002, I was just like, this is great. I really like this. <laughs> I think I may have been at a real life boy band concert in 2002 in the Sky <laughs> Dome in sync all the way. Yeah, I wasn't into NSYNC. <laughs> I was a Backstreet Boys girl. But anyway, that's that's irrelevant. The point <laughs> is that people have been saying that it's it was inappropriate or it wasn't a kid's movie and yes there were a lot of things that we would pick up that they wouldn't pick up just because we were alive then and they weren't but when it comes to things like periods our kids know what a period is and I don't know maybe I've just been really open with the girls but I think (laughs) this is something that you are going to come across at some point in your life you have the right to know that it's going to happen to you. I feel like a lot of the stuff that people are complaining about is the same reason people complain about school curriculums. Yeah. It's because these movies, school curriculums, stuff like that are teaching their kids about just general like bodily functions. Bodily function or like <laughs> mentalities that children have or things they go through that as a parent you should do yes there should be no reason why you can't inform your child about like oh yeah you're you're looking at these boys and you've got crushes that's normal Mm -hmm. like in the the people they're missing the point of the movie the mom in this movie is like 
you don't like boys. You don't need to. You don't do this. This isn't you. Yeah. And that is a detriment to their relationship. Right. So for a real life parent to be like, this movie is caught. This isn't my child. Mm -hmm. It's like fucking watch the movie. (laughs) Just shut up and listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like the boy thing. It's like that's just what we do. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I have memories of drawing pictures or writing out like, you know, your initials like B plus whatever equals heart forever (laughs) or like you'd practice your signature of what your name would be when you get married. Right. Like before I was Jones, I'd be like Mrs. Brittany Jones. Right. I mean, I can't relate to that because the only thing I wrote in notebooks is that cool s thing with the six lines oh whatever i saw some of your like writing music listen my music books are a separate (laughs) personal thing (laughs) you also did it it just was in the form of music and in the movie she draws very very impressive i must say (laughs) for a 13 year old she draws really well drawings of a shirtless crush and i think that that is beautiful now i'm blushing because of my stupid (laughs) music books it's great you know you just have to embrace the cringe of being a early teen and that's what made that movie so relatable like there's a lot of things that were like i felt embarrassed for her it was so cringy it was like it was just the worst Mm -hmm. but in such a genuine relatable way yeah i'm not i was at no point a 13 year old girl what but i get it yeah like i feel it because yeah because you don't need to be like whether you draw pictures or even though you know for the young male audience for them to know about periods it's not a bad thing like we need to normalize this happening and like all of the weird crush things yeah there is no reason that a 13-year-old boy cannot cut out a bunch of Hillary Duff pictures from a magazine <laughs> and poster them around his room. It is fine. Embrace it's your cringe. It's perfectly natural. Um, I have to say, though, like adding to the praise of Disney and specifically, I think, Pixar films, um, maybe it's just Disney in to- in, as a whole. But like lately in the past, probably... I don't know when did inside out come out i feel like it like, was the start yeah of this ago. transition of like not having one specific bad guy but there being a relatable like a relationship barrier or something yeah kind like, of like an emotional villain rather than a this is a bad guy villain exactly so and we have that with inside out like i said we have it with Encanto. we have it with this movie turning red We've had it with um, like Luca. Luca had it, yeah. So I really like that. I like that turn point of like this isn't just one specific villain. You get away with just villainizing certain groups or that idea that you can pick out a villain right away. Yeah. And um, it, I think it gives them good skills or it gets them thinking about you know, this has happened in my life or this is something that I may encounter or when they encounter it, they might remember things from the movie and give them some sort of tool in how to handle the situation. Yeah, and I think that's really important because all of these movies 
kind of tackle a separate thing that kids go through mm-hmm. inside out with like just like emotions yeah or this movie like puberty yeah like there are so many things that it's just it's hard to identify as a kid Mm -hmm. so it's hard to talk about because you don't know what's going on yeah exactly like when you're first getting all of these like new feelings you don't know what they are so you can't say i'm feeling this and i want to talk about it yeah you're just like angsty yes yeah definitely (laughs) that was a good way to to have these these movies that kind of put a personification of it Mm mm-hmm that help kids identify like i don't think there are any movies more important than this kind of movie exactly yeah for a young audience and for parents to say i don't like this because it's teaching my kids stuff (laughs) like get over yourself yeah it's so good too that it's not just like on top of there not just being one bad guy you also don't fall into the trope of like the hero the hero coming in and saving the princess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you have them problem solving for themselves and coming to conflict resolution on their own and being their own hero. Yeah, like a self-realization of mm-hmm. like I am enough to solve my problems. Exactly. I don't need to have someone come and do it for me. Like I may need to work through it with people and it's good to have a support system like in this one especially she had her friends who she really relied on to keep her in control of turning into a panda right (laughs) and so it was like it's good to have those support systems and to have those people that you can rely on but they aren't there to save you or to fix your problems for you yeah that's up to to you to support you yeah and also Fuck you, Prince Charming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that all stems just from like the Netflix shows being put onto Disney, mm-hmm. which is great for us because we had two weeks of me having to try to find Punisher episodes online. Yeah. And that's what led, I mean, okay, bad thing that it's been inconvenient. Good thing it led to us realizing that we started with the wrong season. Yes. But anyways, we are on episodes five and six of the punisher Mm -hmm. and after the last few episodes of it kind of being like just mainly flashback and character development and just giving you an idea of who the people were and why they were there yeah not a whole lot to actually build the story yeah or push it forward and then also a awkward car scene we had two episodes with quite a bit going on yeah and there was some exposition and like Here's what these other players are doing. But it was all made up for with that really dope forest fight scene. Yeah. Which kind of lays the groundwork for these two episodes. Yeah. Like we got the reveal of I don't I don't know what his name is. The like blinded guy and like the one eye. Yeah, he's some sort of like senator. Yeah, who is out to kill Frank Castle. And everybody else that knows about what they were doing. Yeah. Their war crimes. Um, And so we have him kind of sending out all these people to kill Frank in that forest scene, which ended up being bad for them (laughs) because Frank (laughs) just ended up out barely, but he still made it out. And we actually got to see some teamwork between Frank and David, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, with the drone. Yeah, Overwatch David was like the kind of eyes in the sky telling him like where the people were so that he could make it out. And then of course he got Frank out and got him to 
where he could get medical Absolutely. attention. And it's funny that you say Eye in the Sky because the guy who plays David looks an awful lot like Artie Ziff, who play, who is like the Simpsons character who's always in the helicopter, like Artie Pie with eyes in the sky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was not an intentional so, reference. No, but when you said that, I was just like, you know, he kind of looks like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it was a really good episode. We had more of like Madani trying to figure out what Frank is doing and where he's going and you know trying to put the pieces together and he's she's been sleeping with Billy now really awkwardly dominant sleeping with Billy yeah like I haven't been able to really figure out the relationship between them (laughs) obviously it hasn't been the main focal point of the show but yeah it seems very toxic like there's yeah and not genuine at all it seems like it's purely just to get information and that's what I thought it was about. I thought it was just her trying to get information about Frank. But I think that she actually may like him, whether it started out as that. But I think now it's maybe shifted. But it also doesn't seem like the sex is very good. <laughs> like, especially when we see them back together in, in the second episode that we watched yeah. in episode six she doesn't look like she's really enjoying herself you know it kind of looked to me like she was faking it but she's acting and i don't know i'm getting i'm thinking way too much about it (laughs) is she just not a good sex actor or is she a very good sex actor who is displaying that this character just ain't into it it's not yeah she's not into it she's more into (laughs) figuring out what's going on with frank and has used upon anyway (laughs) i just thought like the, the scenes, the reason why I think I'm focusing so much on it is because the scenes felt very long and drawn out and didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. So it forced me to think, like, what was the purpose of the scene? And then it had me overthinking the scenes. Honestly, every scene with her feels that way to me. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's similar with Daredevil, how I just didn't care about, like, the Ben and Karen scenes. Yeah. I don't care about her scenes. Yeah. I get the importance of her character to the story. Yeah. But it's just like, goes on too long, not interested in what she's saying. I don't know what to feel. Yeah. But except for at least in the non-her and Billy scenes, they seem to be actually giving you some sort of information about the, what is happening with Frank. Yeah. And him being, you know, dead and (laughs) supposed to be dead and figuring out like, yeah. And what is he going after? And her side of trying to figure out what is he doing kind of thing, right? And then being after the same people, trying to take down the same people. Yeah, it's weird. These scenes don't seem to have any purpose. And so I'm trying to figure (laughs) out, like, where is this going? Why do we have this scene? And then talking too much about it. Yeah, it's just weird because Frank and her have such a similar goal. Mm -hmm. But... It's like she sees him, I rightly so, as an adversary because she wants to make these people pay in a criminal way. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm, ain't no better way to pay than be dead. Yeah. So I see that they're butting heads, but like maybe as this homeland security person, it might be in your best interest for them to just not be around anymore. Yeah, well, and also I feel like she's not really understanding fully where Frank is coming from. Like, I get 
that without being in his position, you wouldn't really fully understand. But she's seeing it from a purely legal point of view, I feel like, uh-huh. where he's seeing it like these people took everything from me. This is the reason why I have nothing. And so they're going to pay with their lives. And also he sees David, who they started out not really getting along or anything, but now have kind of, like I said, they're forming a partnership, which is really interesting to watch. And he's grown close with David's family and sees how much they're missing their husband and father and how much he needs to help David get back to his family. And so he's willing to do whatever it takes to not have David be in his position or to not have that family be without a father for any much longer. Yeah, and then that kind of feeling of family is really carried on into the next episode Mm -hmm. because he has one little spiel where he says, I had two families. I had my wife and kids, but then I had the Marines. Yeah. And they are, like, they got my back. They're my brothers. He's got Curtis, who Mm -hmm. he's kind of been like, meeting with every once in a while when he just needs a little bit more support. Yeah. Um, David even gets him in to help close up and get an arrow out of him. Yeah. Um, then there's Billy who he's just like sending out radio signals because Madani is kind of getting him in. Like maybe he's alive. Yeah. So he's putting out signals that like, Hey, what is it? Was it Raven? It's Blackbird. Yeah. And they're like, who is this guy? Do we have to worry about this guy? Mm-hmm. No, we were, like, we're family. Yeah, He's and Frank back. like 100% trusts him, calls him his brother. He agrees to meet with him at some point, see what's going on. And again, like even Billy says, just like, you know, I know that you lost your family, but like I'll always be your brother kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so then it ends up twisting because he's like I can get you on a boat tonight we can turn your life around like what is this doing for you and I actually thought that Frank was going to fall for it and maybe not fall for it is the word but like abandon David I guess was Mm. kind of where I was thinking is like does he want to just have this all just be done and behind him and so then we see him go to David's family's house and have another interaction with his wife which has also been really weird because from her standpoint her husband's dead she's extremely lonely she's struggling as a single mom and here's this incredibly handsome man helping her out around the house (laughs) and it's just like what is she expected to feel right and so I feel like from David's standpoint, I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd want Frank Castle going around if and being like, I'm going to be If I was watching John Bernthal in this house with you, yeah. being the way he is with her. You'd be pissed. I would come in and I would lose a fight. <laughs> and it's not even <laughs> like he's been disrespectful or like imposing in any way. It's just that like, you know, he's in some way filling that void as a father figure and as a husband in fixing the things under the sink and being that word of encouragement to the daughter and even the son recognizes this man as a threat and imposing as a father figure you see that in him acting out more yeah and so it's like this like david has to be watching that from their little cave or whatever being like son of a bitch fuck (laughs) right but also he has to know that he actually encourages him to go and be like, help her out. You have to help her out. But then Frank also leaves her with like, 
the the Lieberman family is like going to be okay. Yeah, and see, that's the point that I was getting at is that I thought in that moment, clearly David didn't know what was going to happen because yeah. he's watching it like what's going on. But also I thought, you know, he's going to give some sort of like goodbye speech, right? And I thought it was because he was going to abandon them. But then he said the things are going to get better for you. And I was like, okay, this is him actually solidifying and promising that he's going to get David home to his family. He's like, we're going to finish this thing. He's he's telling her and just giving her encouragement, like, just hold on longer. Mm -hmm. But he's telling David directly, like, we're going to get this done and get you into this house. Yeah. And you can tell when he looks at the camera, like he knows exactly where the cameras were. And he looks at the camera and you know that's him making a promise and he's not going to back down then this then the whole episode finishes with billy betraying showing his betrayal the whole thing was a setup to get frank castle by the like one blind guy the one-eyed <laughs> blind guy i don't know his the name one-eyed blindy yeah and i felt like oh what a knife to the heart situation doing all that whole I'm your brother, we're brothers, this is my second family kind of thing, just to be stabbed in the back like that and have a setup. And obviously, like, he, it didn't happen, but we know it was going to happen. Yeah. And so I feel like the knife went in my back. And Son I, of a bitch. I'm you not. Put a knife in my wife's back. I'm not happy about it. I'm about to lose another fight. <laughs> <laughs> but now it has me questioning, is Billy actually using Madani? Did he know the whole time that Frank was alive and he just needed but needed confirmation from her? Because this guy maybe suspected Frank's alive but needed confirmation. And Madani's been the one finding right, the confirmation. I'm just going to drop this on you. If he didn't know Frank was alive, yeah. he was working with One-Eyed Blindy. Mm-hmm. One-Eyed Blindy sent those guys into that forest and saw Frank. Right. So at that point, he would have known right. for certain. Yeah. He'd be, one-eyed blind, he would be like, listen, the guys you're sending aren't good enough. I just saw Frank fucking castle. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, let me get on it. Yeah. And then he gets in with Madani, gets all of her intel. Right. So they're 100% using each other. Okay. I still suspect that maybe Madani has kind of caught a little bit of feels. Maybe. <laughs> I think that she maybe feels for him a little bit. But he has a terrible sex face. <laughs> we can't get back to the sex scenes. <laughs> they will just live with us silently. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we watch the the fifth episode, I just think it's funny because when it goes into that forest scene, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, that first guy that's going in, that's one of the guys from Critical Role. All right, he's dead now. He's not in the show anymore. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that every, happening. Every time. he He's in it for about like maybe like five seconds on screen. Yeah. Well, we had also recently watched um, The Avengers with the kids because yeah. they've been really into Spider-Man and Captain America. So we're like, let's watch these. And there's that one waitress girl yeah. that you were like, oh, she's in Critical Role. Yeah. Ashley Johnson is the unnamed waitress who's like, Captain America, save me. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that also that recently watched that we watched and you were like, Critical Role reference, Critical Role reference. 
If it makes you feel any better, I don't think there are any more. Okay. Unless you want to watch their actual show, and then we can talk about it. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you guys let us know how you feel about the Netflix Marvel shows and, like, coming-of-age animated shows coming to Disney. Uh, let us know on Discord, Instagram. You know where to find the link. Also, if you feel comfortable sharing what weird thing you did when you were 13 and crushing on someone like let us know your cringe worthy moments as a preteen <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this week at the bees knees podcast remember if you haven't already please download this episode maybe recommend us to a friend and we will talk to you next week mm-hmm.